This week's podcast brought to you by Doggy DNA. Not just doggy DNA, but I got my own human DNA tested. We haven't gotten the results back, but um, it may tell me who my distant relatives are. And our nine-year-old, upon hearing this, said, maybe you're related to Robert E. Schneidenberger or Walt Disney. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Exciting breaking news this week. Um... Our dog DNA kit came back. Oh, that's right. Our dog DNA kit did come back. It's exciting, no? Well, it was certainly revealing. Well, I was at work um, this past Sunday, and my sister texted me and said, did you get the doggy, your results from your doggy DNA kit? She's like, because I did. And, I'm, and she didn't send hers. She sent hers off a week after we did. So I was thinking, wait a minute. How did she get hers first? So anyway, I went and looked at my email. And yes, I did have an email from the place. We had also gotten our doggy DNA test results. Don't don't keep everybody in suspense. What is your husky? Well, (laughs) we knew it was it was was billed as a husky mix. She certainly looks like a husky. She's got one blue eye, one brown eye. She's got like the, the face mask of a husky. But we we learned that she was actually the largest what was she? Six different things, right? She's like me, mostly pit bull. She is mostly pit bull. She is thirty-seven percent American pit bull terrier. Like my playlists, called. she is mostly pit bull. Thirty-seven percent pit bull. She is, let's see, twenty-eight percent Siberian Husky, eleven percent Chow Chow. I still don't quite know what a chow chow is. 11% Great Pyrenees. 9% American Staffordshire Terrier. And 4% undecided. And 3.5% German Shepherd Dog. As it says, German Shepherd Dog. Why did it have to say dog at the end? None of the other ones said dog. Because it it could possibly have been bred by a German Shepherd (laughs) at one point. So anyway, yes, the, the dog that we we have grown to love as our little husky is actually more our little american pit bull terrier so my sister it's funny because um you know we got these uh, I'm, dogs. I'm disappointed that she's not more than this is she's not three percent a very lonely shepherd in germany but anyway <laughs> go ahead my sister got her results and they were from the same litter we didn't know if they had the same father but they do her results are um she has the same six dogs. Her percentages are slightly different on on her dogs, um, you know, mix. But uh, but yeah, she and I were both shocked to learn that our dogs are mostly American pit bulls. <laughs> How does that change your perception of your dog? I I I, I suggest we we uh, leave her chained up in the yard. But. Yeah, I, we we didn't. I didn't um, take you up on that. Um, it hasn't changed my perception at all, except that now, like. If I, you know, wanted to come over to me or whatever, I'll be like, "Come here, my little pit bull." <laughs> I mean, 
mean, she still, ours still looks very much like a husky. My sister's probably looks a little bit more like a pit bull. Um, looks more like a pit bull when you get the DNA results back. Yeah, it's, it, I like, because I had been trying to figure out what she could have been mixed with. I'd looked at pictures of, you know, husky mixes all over Google and just try to figure out what, what could be the other predominant um, part of her DNA. And never once did I think it was going to be <laughs> Pitbull. But she certainly, and, and, and so I've read a little bit more about Pitbulls and how they get a bad rap because some people train them to do, you know, to, to, compete in dog fighting and uh but that they're actually kind and loving animals and we certainly our our dog certainly is kind and wonderful around kids and other dogs and all those other things so um anyway at the same time for my birthday the other the other day you guys got me a a dna oh yeah last week we um we talked that it was your birthday when we recorded it and i was excited about the birthday presents all right so so among the birthday presents was a was a dna test kit is that what it's called whatever and and uh so i sent it off and i told our nine-year-old the other day yesterday that even though it takes eight weeks to get results i said i I got the results back and it turns out i'm i'm mostly pitbull and she said dad you're mostly chow chow Which was which is perfect. So yeah, the, the two the two gifts I was excited about mostly for you were one the DNA test kit. Figured since we got in our dog her DNA test kit, we might as well get you yours. And the other one were the little tiles that you put on things that you tend to lose. So you put one on your phone, on your keys. Did you put the third one in a wallet? Is that did, is that one the, in a wallet and on my keys? I didn't put one on my phone. You didn't put one on your phone. So now then you've used it once. You couldn't find your keys, so you press the button and as long as as long as you lose your keys right near your phone. Well you lost your keys, press the button so that the tile would make the loud noise and like it a was, car. Like a car alarm. Yeah, it was right in front of you on the counter. <laughs> so um I thought those were two like definitely practical gifts. And then our youngest daughter was so excited, her idea and what she got you was, you know, the I guess the croquis for your for your reading glasses. Yeah, croquis. They're they're strings that hold reading yeah. glasses on it. Yeah. She it's, she it's, really it's, wanted to get the ones that look like the old lady ones that are kind of beaded and stuff, but um but she settled it, on just kind of the plain it's ones. It's the next best thing to a to a decorative decorative coffin, I think. The uh the, the reading, reading glasses glass. leash. Speaking of a leash, our son had a soccer game thirty minutes away on Sunday and nobody else was gonna be home and we didn't want to leave the puppy now that we know she's mostly pitbull, home alone, she's eat, eating carpet and stuff like that. So we're taking her with us. And when she was loaded up in the van to go, I said to our son, "Did you put her put her leash and collar in as well?" And he said, "No." So I said, "Okay, I'll go get it." I went back in the house. There was all kinds of milk and things left out on the counter, so I put all that stuff away and I found some other junk that needed to be put away. And uh, when I was finished with that, I got in the car. And when we were halfway to the soccer game, 15 minutes into the drive, I, I said, I never got the leash and collar. So now we arrive at this game with no, with a dog, but no leash or collar. And I was going to have the prospect of trying to hold onto her like a greased pig for two hours or find a nearby pet shop, which I did. Got a collar. Got a leash, $35.06 later, went back to the soccer game, 
and uh, the dog was pulling on the leash the whole time. I was watching the game. There was an empty field behind us, so I, so she was behind me on the leash as I was holding on with my hand behind my back, and I felt this constant tension until I, until I didn't. And I turned around, and there was the leash and the empty collar and no dog. So what exactly happened? How did what she happened get was out of I, the I, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't was able to adjust the collar. collar. No, it was the kind of collar where you you have the loop, and you push the loop one way and then pull it, and it either tightens or loosens. You know what I'm talking about? I think so. So it I, I've never clasp, been able. To, I've never, it goes over her head and then you tighten it. No, no, no. It clasps. Oh. But but it's adjustable. Yeah. It's an adjustable strap. Okay. Like like any adjustable strap. I just don't know how to adjust those things. Okay. And so I couldn't get it any tighter than it was, and now it was just a lasso, and I was now trying to lasso the dog with it. But I eventually got her back, and um, and I mentioned to somebody else that I was halfway to the uh, to the game and didn't have a leash and collar. And this person said, "You didn't have a belt." <laughs> I suppose that would have worked. Just would fine. it have? Well, no. You would have had to add a you would had to add a hole to the belt because, of course, you're waist is yeah, much unless, unless they wrap the belt around the midsection neck, of the dog. But, yeah, uh, that's true. So anyway, carry on. I was on a conference call last week, and I know how you love the business speak that goes on during those conference calls. So at one point during the call, somebody used this phrase, this ship is going to be built as we're sailing it. So uh, Not this ship has sailed. No, this ship is going to be built as we're sailing it. And so I brought... That will not be a seaworthy ship. I I wrote that down um, on my phone and handed you my phone while I was still doing the call. And uh, you just wrote right underneath it, you're all going to drown then. And uh, I didn't have the heart to say that (laughs) while I was on this meeting. Well, because they said it multiple times. This ship is going to be built as we're sailing it. And I would have loved to have just added... uh, my husband thinks we're all going to drown then. <laughs> well, our our nine-year-old had to write a piece for a class this past week, uh, a personal narrative. And she said, do you want to know what I wrote about? And I said, sure. She said, I wrote about the time you sank the boat. <laughs> Did she tell you this? She didn't know. I haven't seen the essay yet, but yeah. Um, there's a time that I allegedly sank a boat at our at my sister's cabin in Minnesota where they had a big uh, they never let you drive pontoon the boat. boat, right? Yes, they have a big pontoon boat. Nor should they have ever let me drive the boat. And I don't know why that one time they let you drive it. Well, they insisted I needed to take the wheel for some reason, but then everybody moved to the front of the boat. all of the kids were on the boat, all the cousins, and there's a lot of them. And then next thing you know, you ran into lower ground or something, or the water was more shallow. How do I know? And then, like, so the front of the boat goes forward, and all these kids are about to, like, fall off the The front of the boat was underwater. Until, uh... I think your brother, was it Tom who came to the rescue maybe? Probably, but that, that, that became the time I sank the boat. So I'm eager to read this, the, eager to read with my, with my libel attorney this personal essay of hers and, and, and see if she libels me. It's interesting to go from you know, our nine-year-old writing her personal narratives in fifth grade to um, our oldest is taking an AP, AP classes for the first time. And uh, just for us to be exposed again to what AP is all about, which is doing well on the test, and, uh, and sort of the monotony of answering questions uh, as all of these kids are going to spend their year getting ready, ready for this AP test. 
And so that's been kind of new. And then I was with a, a some of my friends at a socially distanced outdoor gathering last week. And uh, their do- they all have older daughters as well. And, um, you know, older than our oldest. And they were telling me, you know, our oldest turned 16 this December. And they were saying, you know, with COVID, there's a backlog trying to get kids um, their permit tests and this and that. So anyway, I've since made our daughter's permit test for the end of December. And as I'm making this driving permit, driving permit. Yeah. Not fishing. Yeah. Not anything else. Hunting. Permit. Yeah. Driving permit. And I'm just thinking like, really, we have a, a kid who's going to be old enough who as long as she passes the test at some point in 2020 will be driving one of us on a road if we allow it. Like, it just it's, it feels like it's a, this weird place now in our lives where we're soon going to be have a child who's driving. And I, I'm still uncertain how I feel about that. Well, I'm certain that I don't like it, but it's the leap that has to be made at some point. Yeah. And if it means that I'm not driving four hours a day, it's probably time. And I was, so I was telling this to our oldest daughter and also telling her, you know, I have to sign her up for her driver's ed classes. And she said, you know, can't I just, you know, study with you and get all my driving hours in with you? And I said, no, you know, you can when you take the driver's ed class, you can get your license a couple months sooner and you know you just learn different things and what I'm really thinking is I need somebody else to be in that car with you who also has the brake and the gas like if I could get myself a driver's ed car I, I'd feel comfortable with her but uh have you have you gone on auto trader or <laughs> to see if they see, sell such a they thing must. I wonder do you think like a normal a non-licensed is it street legal driver ed teacher would be allowed to have one of those cars. I don't know, but um, and so, would you use it when I was driving? Yeah, yeah. That that would be the problem. Was if you were in the passenger seat while I was driving, um, because you're a little bit, you're not nervous, but uh, you definitely backseat slash passenger seat drive when when I've got myself behind the wheel. Well, one measure of how much time we both spend in the car taking kids to and from places, it hit home couple of days ago, maybe it was yesterday, when you were picking up our daughters from high school. I think you're picking up all four kids and taking them to get flu shots. Yes. And they're all at the end of the school day, and they were all going to be ravenous, and you were looking for a snack to bring them. And I said, look, just give in. Take this. And I handed you a giant box of individual Lay's Potato chips, Doritos, Cheetos, Fritos, Tostitos, Mosquitos, uh, all of these different snacks. You had thrown in some bars and I think applesauce squeezers as well to give them something to choose from. And as we were walking out with this box to leave in the van, you said, I can't believe it's come to this snack box. Because I was picking up the younger two first from their school. But may I just say, I, I yeah. want to market that, like on Shark snack Tank box. or, or with, with that tagline, snack box. <laughs> I can't believe it's come to this. I, uh, because it really is the the, the elasticated totally waistband of, of snacking products where you've just given up. Yeah, completely. And now we just have a giant trough of salty snacks. 
in the in car. the van. I I picked up the younger two first, and our son had forgotten to bring his water to school that day, so he was so thirsty that that was overpowering his hunger. Like he couldn't even consider eating a chip because he was so thirsty. But, but I didn't. what he needs is just a salt lick. Yeah. So I I. His sister, the youngest, starts just chowing on the chips, and then I go get the older two. And and they, the older two, had already texted me and said, can you bring snacks when you pick us up? We're hungry. So that's what got me to the place where we had the snack box in the car. So I get those guys, and our son still can't eat anything because he's so darn thirsty, and nobody has any extra water. Super efficient, though. I had signed them up for the flu, flu clinic at our pediatrician's, and it was outdoors, like under this little tent they got their flu shots, which I feel good about. Encourage everyone to get their flu shot. And um, finally, after that, then able to get our son his uh, his bottle of water, and uh, so then he could have his snack. But we were laughing because the the oldest two girls got their shots first, and our oldest came back and said it hurt a little more this year, like my arms really sore. And our second oldest, she said, you know, it was fine for her. And um, and then the younger two also said the same thing, that it, their arms were sore, that it was a little more sore to get it this year than in years past. But I was laughing about our second oldest because she's also the one when she was little and we would take to get the flu shot. And I, th- I think you were there when this would happen and she would, after they do it, and she was really little, like three years old or something. And she'd be like, is that it? Can I have another one? <laughs> she was very she, much, thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah, totally. And um and so f- for whatever reason, shots don't bother her the way they do the other kids. But, uh, but yeah, it was um, – their flu shots have been taken. There's a snack box now in the car along with the spare leash because now that we ha- you had to buy the spare leash and collar, those will stay permanently in the car for the next time you forget um, to bring hers from home. And, and as uh, the nine-year-old said, when I brought it home, she's, it's a black leash with crossed uh, milk bones and like a paw or something, but it looks like a skull and crossbones. And she said, really, Dan? Skeleton leash? Yeah. And I said, it's not a skeleton. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a skull and bones dog biscuits. But when I was racing through the pet aisle to try to get back to kick off of the soccer game, I didn't have time to choose. She's uh, our youngest is still really, really excited. Every year she gets very excited about Halloween and what she's going to wear for her costume to the point that usually... November 1st, she's already talking about what she's going to wear the following year for her costume. And this year she's taken it to new heights because she's known since last November, since she saw another kid out trick-or-treating, what she wanted for her costume. And it was maybe a week ago. We were, it was sept- in, you know, late September. And she was saying, um, I don't know yet what I want to wear for my costume next year. It's kind of disappointing not to know what I want to wear for my costume. I said, what are you talking about? How meaning you... a year from now. Yeah, meaning a year from now. I said, why don't you enjoy the fact that you are you know what you want to wear over a month from now on Halloween. And, um, you know, who knows if there's going to be any kind of trick-or-treating, but usually at their school. And who knows if that'll be open. But they usually get to wear their costumes, and she's uh, still very, very excited about that. Are you guys serious about this stuff? As a Rebecca Lobo set shot. Well, we are in the throes of the most exciting time of the year when it comes to WNBA basketball. Tonight, I will be in the Bristol studio to call Game 5 between the Connecticut Sun and the Las Vegas Aces. Um, The Seattle Storm won their series 3-0 over Minnesota, so they have punched their ticket to the WNBA Finals, which will start on Friday. 
this Connecticut Vegas series has been phenomenal, really exciting. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen tonight other than it's going to be a really physical game between two teams that are really evenly matched. But I'm excited about it. And then later on in the week, the WNBA final start, which uh, which is going to be great too. So, um, so hopefully, well, everyone will know by the time they listen to this podcast who the second team is going to be. But uh, I, I can't wait. So please tune in on Friday for game one. Um, I believe it'll probably be at 7 p.m. or 7.30 p.m. on either ESPN or ESPN2. Punch their ticket. Does that come from train travel? I don't know. Must, right? Well, even on a, on, on a train, you don't punch your own ticket, but they've had their ticket punched. And your ticket is still valid before it's punched. I don't know. We'll have yeah. to uh, get our crack research team on that. Denny, figure that one out for us. According to thefreedictionary.com, literally to punch a hole in or otherwise mark one's ticket, especially for a bus or train to show that they have paid the fare to ride. If this deal goes through, you'll have punched your ticket to the corner office. I've left you speechless. They still punch tickets. Like, I mean, oh, I, I haven't been on a train in a couple of years, but the t- they were actually of course. punching the ticket. Yeah. I wonder, it's pro- probably a lot of it is mobile now. I don't know how they punch a mobile ticket, but uh, the last time I was on a train anyway, they were literally punching the, the storm have scanned their barcode <laughs> the, the how great finals. would that be for a call tonight whoever wins you know ryan and they have scanned their barcode to make it to the 2020 wnba finals <laughs> shall we go to viewer mail yeah let's go to viewer mail take that hook throw our lure reel us in with your viewer mail Rebecca and Steve, I hope you all are staying healthy and sane. The Houston Library System has been operating a curbside checkout service since April, and it has been amazing. Last week, we were surprised by the library unicorn at pickup. Yes, a librarian dressed up in a unicorn costume delivered the books to our car, picture attached, and it is quite a picture. I am so thankful for our library and, of course, healthcare police teacher heroes. I believe I'm your resident, Gail, but that could be changed to VP of Technology, Headmaster, School Nurse, Director of Nutritional Services, Kindergarten, and First Grade Teacher, and Mom. But I assume your listeners with kids are fulfilling these roles as well. Have a great week. And this picture of a, of a librarian in an, what appears to be an inflated, inflatable unicorn costume with a little window for the eyes is fantastic. And Gail's... Uh, son looking out through the window, presumably anticipating How a great, great book being delivered curbside. How great would it be if they if that person came out not just for books taken out of the children's section, but you know, if someone's getting a Stephen King book out or something, and uh, it gets delivered to them by the person in the unicorn costume. Well, I assume it does. Why not? I, I certainly. I mean, I don't think they yeah. they they zip out of this inflatable to get uh well, they depending might on one, which book more than one person delivering the books but yes and it is pennywise the clown comes out if you get a stephen king book right yeah they should for every genre of book they uh, should have that, a different costume that, deliver it that might uh increase the overhead of the houston library's pro bono curbside uh, checkout service it but might. it is a great idea Ralph in Maryland writes, uh, Hi, Steve. I'm glad that your daughter knows her 70s classic rock. She, too, may drink her share of Boone's Farm malt beverages, as they are now known. Well, one day, perhaps, but... They're known as Boone's Farm... Boone's Farm malt, malt beverages. beverages now. Right. I'm told that it was the beverage of choice among women at their TV lounges when I was in college in the early 70s. Men were excluded, even though room visits were allowed. It allowed for frank conversations about men. Men had such conversations about women, writes Ralph, but those would happen anywhere. How did we ever graduate? 
the <laughs> the women's lounges where where women had frank conversations about men. Is that what he said? They had. Uh, I'm sure they had frank conversations about Ralph. And well, Ralph conversations about Frank. If, if based on my college experience, when we would get together um, with some of the other girls in the dorm, if we were having Frank conversations about men, it wasn't about the men who were attending UConn. It was like about the men and what they were doing on 90210 or Melrose Place because we were getting together to watch like the the appropriate soap opera of the day. And uh, I just love the notion that they were having frank conversations. Any frank conversation. About men. Any, every frank, uh, just the phrase frank conversation suggests that all of those conversations were were damning and negative. But you know what? As, bet, as they should be. I bet most men probably think that when, when women get together, if they're talking about something, then of course they're talking about men. <laughs> Because men are narcissists, and so we assume that uh, so people if you, are. If the women are there without us, then they it must be because they want to talk about us. <laughs> and 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 what other places can they exclude us from? <laughs> and this might not be the best example, but in a women's basketball locker room, there are very few conversations, frank or otherwise, about men. <laughs> well. Uh, Tom writes, to whom it may pod, when your installment two weeks ago was delayed, it sent my phone searching back through the Ball and Chain archives for an episode I had missed, and came up with one from June of 2019 in which Steve reminisced with delight about CBS shows that began from Television City in Hollywood. Interestingly, interestingly, possibly only to me, that very statement is in fact wrong. While Hollywood is a community in Los Angeles and therefore doesn't have specifically delineated boundaries, not even the most generous definition of Hollywood would put Television City there. But from Television City in the Fairfax district is a substantial drop down in pizzazz. You and I visited Television City in, in the Fairfax district. Um, when we met about a sitcom pilot many years ago, I actually recorded... I was a guest on Tom Snyder's Late Late Show on CBS from Television City in Hollywood, from right where they taped the uh, Price is Right as well, I believe it was. Anyway, Tom continues, and while you may have been looking for echoes from those studios of shows from decades past, there are some other memories underfoot. Television City was built on the site of two former sporting facilities, Gilmore Stadium and Gilmore Field. Gilmore Stadium was a football stadium and midget car racetrack that, among other things, hosted two NFL All-Star games in the 1940s. The adjacent Gilmore Field was a baseball stadium that was home of the Hollywood Stars of the Pacific Coast League back when the PCL wasn't far behind the National and American Leagues. And I know that uh, the Hollywood Stars, they lived up to their name. Their ownership included people like um, Humphrey Bogart, I think Desi Arnaz. This is back when you know I Love Lucy was being uh, taped at Desilu's Studios in, in Hollywood. So this is, you know, Hollywood stars in the 1950s. The stars in the Crosstown L.A. Angels both left town when the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles in 1958. My first time in Television City, writes Tom, was as a teenager to attend a taping of the Burt Convey-hosted game show Tattletales. Rebecca, do you remember Tattletales? I don't. You, you don't remember the banana section? Burt Convey hosted... Host, <laughs> the banana section sounds like something that wasn't allowed. With Frank Talk in exactly. the TV lounge. Well... <laughs> They would have been watching Tattletales in the afternoon in the 1970s in the TV lounge because it was a game where a husband and wife celebrities would, uh, you know, one would be backstage and one would be out there and they would have to answer questions about each other's sort of newlywed game style. Uh-huh. But then uh, you were playing for your section. The yellow section was the banana section and, and the green section. Um, I've heard Ben Stiller talk about his parents, Stiller and Mira, being on on Tattletales and him being backstage with his sister hanging out as a little kid at Tattletales. 
while I was home from school on a sick day watching Tattletales. Anyway, Tom here attended a taping of the Burt County host of the game show Tattletales, The Game of Celebrity Gossip. We went for a high school fundraiser, probably for the school paper. On Tattletales, the celebrity couple competed for prize money, which was then divided among the people sitting in their corresponding section of the audience, the banana section. As we left after they taped three shows, we each got a check for something like 6 or $8, which probably meant about $200 or so for our group for a few hours of non-strenuous work which in the late 1970s wasn't a bad gig. Much to my chagrin, I no longer remember who the celebrity couples on the episodes we saw were. I hope he was in the banana section, at least. That was always everybody's favorite. Tom in St. Louis, who always seems to write about Los Angeles. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Kristen Cheshire, our resident something or other, has answers from uh, uh, Harry's trivia question. Harry the cyclist sent mm-hmm. us trivia questions mm-hmm. uh, from Colorado yes. about Connecticut uh, drinking. Yes. Uh, this past week, you both covered so many things that got the wheels of my mind spinning. First, for Harry's trivia question, the only other Ted's I can think of is Ted's in Meriden, home of some great steamed cheeseburgers. Likewise, while Rebecca frequented the other Ted's, while at UConn, I have been there all of once when visiting my friends. Instead, I attended undergrad in the Albany region at Siena College. While attending Siena, I never made it to Co- Cahos and the Monocle Cafe, but I often... Pr- Cahos, remember we mentioned... Yes. It's not Cahos. Cahos, New York. And the Monocle Cafe there, but I often frequented a wonderful local greasy spoon, Bob's Diner. I hope it's still thriving in the capital region, much like Ted's is still rolling up in stores. Bob's was a late-night stop for omelets after a night of college revelry before heading back to campus responsibly by cab, of course. Rebecca, what was your late-night college uh, breakfast and or dinner of choice? There is a place called Wing It which was right next to the Upper Deck. The Upper Deck was like this bar that you could go and dance and drink and right next to it was wing it where you could get a um a bunch of wings and so um that was usually people's late night dining or i think it was called pepperoni pizza which is was in the same complex down below and you could get a slice or two of pizza to uh to soak up the liquid before you headed back to bed by the way harry the cyclist in Colorado is not Harry the Cyclist. He is, of course, Roger the Cyclist in Colorado, and he has written in with answers to his trivia questions from last week. Since Rebecca went O for something, you rarely see from a UConn woman's basketball great, I'm sending the answers to the questions. Uh, how was Ted's originally spelled, and why was it named Ted's? It was spelled either T-E-D-S or T period E period D period apostrophe S. It was named Ted's because the original owners were a father and two sons, Tom, Elliot, and Dean. Tom the father, the sons, Elliot and Dean. The original restaurant had a great comic mural on the wall of the dad and two brothers that if anyone out there has a picture of, I would love to get a copy. The family that owned what is now called Ted's used to own another restaurant as well as several other businesses just off the Yukon campus. Uh, it was blue and white, and you can actually find references to it back in the very old daily campus issues. Um, what was that restaurant called? A few of the other businesses they ran were Ted's Giant Grinder Shop. Were you aware of Ted's Giant Grinder Shop? No. A Ted's Spirit Shop with two P's and an E. And founded founder of Husky Blues. The family also helped renovate Jorgensen Auditorium and owned several properties that were leased out to students for student housing. Uh, there's another famous Ted's restaurant in Connecticut. Where was it? Was it famous for? Oh, and the two restaurants have no connection whatsoever. In Meriden, there is Ted's restaurant. So, Chris was correct. Home of the world famous steamed cheeseburger since 1959 has been around almost as long as I have. And the extra credit question, who was Butch? Well, it turns out Butch was actually Elliot. But rather than use his nickname, they used his real name when they named Ted's. He was by far, in my opinion at least, the most gregarious of the family and loved by the early patrons of the place. I did find the following article about him and the family you might find interesting. 
unfortunately, both the father, Tom, and brother Butch have passed away, but as I, but last I knew Dean was still around. It's funny to think that so much Yukon history was in that little beer and breakfast place I used to frequent, but it was a fun trip down memory lane and let me learn a little more about what happened to the great Greek family that fed us great food, even when we might have been a little too hungover to really enjoy it. So now you know the history of Ted's, Rebecca. Thank you. I appreciate that history. And I'm sorry you missed Ted's giant grinder shop. And finally, uh, we have uh, Dr. Gary Siegel checking in. But worried if he doesn't check in, you know? Yeah. I mean, we need somebody to bat clean up, so it needs to be Dr. Siegel. Well, apparently. Do we have runners on base? Let's see. Dear Rebecca and Steve, in continuing the discussion about Steve's various writings over the years and my correspondence last week, I mistook one of Rick Riley's mid-90s columns for one of Steve's. This begat a true dilemma and a segue. Riley or Russian, Mercedes or BMW? Ooh. So it's like the Monday Night Football. Jaguar versus, what was it last night? Jaguar and... Jaguar? Jaguar? But no, oh, no, no. Ferrari versus... Uh, Jaguar, wasn't it? Uh, might have been. I think it was Ferrari it was versus just, uh, Maserati or something. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was odd. odd. Well, it turns out that viewer George, the podcast's optician of monocle fame, seems to be both a car guy and a Russian Sports Illustrated fan as well. He wondered how Steve could have driven the manual transmission-equipped BMW Z8 to and around the 14-mile original Nürburgring Nordschleife. Gosh, he's Dr. Siegel knows his F1. Where indeed the late uh, triple world champion Nikki Lauda suffered a horrific accident in 1976. Steve, your memory is beyond compare. Steve confessed that the photographer drove the car, which was picked up in Munich from the factory. Uh, the Z- Z8, writes Dr. Siegel, was a two-seat V8-powered sports, a V8-powered Z8. Are you following this, Rebecca? I'm following it. Sports car powered by a 394-horsepower 394 S62 engine with six forward speeds that was and remains a classic. This sounds like a car commercial voiceover. Dr. Siegel should do that in his spare time when he's not delivering babies. Do you remember when I was doing stuff for NBA TV and we were at an all-star game in Los Angeles and one of the things I was doing was driving around? Oh, yes, what kind yes. of a BMW was that? Or was that an... That was a BMW, right? I think right? it was an M-Class BMW that Dr. Siegel actually owns or has owned. Well, it was, I was supposed to like drive to different sites and then do, you know. You Were you know, driving or was it like on a flatbed well, that no, appeared to be driving? I was supposed to drive and then I would get out of the car and we'd do something there. The, the BMW had sponsored it, but the insurance was an issue. So I never got to drive it. They had somebody from their dealership drive it and then they would just film me getting out of the car as if I had driven and it. And tossing your keys to a valet. Yeah, and then like do, doing uh Doing, filming something in front of wherever we were. But that anyway, is your that move, by the way, that. pulling up to some place and then throwing your keys to the valet, right? Yeah, on my long keychain that says coach and is yeah. like seen and then, better and then, days. And then you, uh, you, you give them a dollar when yeah. you come back out. Yeah, that's my move. Uh, just as you picked up the loaner Z8 at the BMW factory, I too picked up my BMW at the Spartanburg, South Carolina factory, to which it was delivered after assembly in Munich. I've taken the liberty of attaching a picture that was taken for its sale via eBay in 2014. Dr. Siegel sold his car on eBay? Is that... I guess you can do that. How you do it? I guess. Did he pay the postage? By the way, occasionally (laughs) I would remind my years-long medical assistant that I came to work with 400 friends, 394 horses, and six forward speeds. (laughs) Okay. Prior to that, he would tell his medical assistant that he came with two friends, Thunder and Lightning, as he flexed his guns. Go ahead. As you might expect, she rolled her eyes and admonished me to go to work. (laughs) Sounds like something you would do, Rebecca. Lastly, while flipping channels last week, I caught the end of the WNBA Minnesota versus Seattle game and enjoyed hearing key analysis from Rebecca and Holly Rowe. What do you mean you weren't just riveted to the television already watching from the beginning? You were flipping around, Dr. Uh, that's Siegel, a, that's a catching, very That's a very... Uh, catching uh, it at the end? Uh, a certain man sports fan. I was flipping around. 
and just when I happen happened to, catch, to a, catch a women's sporting event. But that's now, not Dr. Siegel. Dr. Siegel, I, we know, is down with the program because he's, he's a loyal listener and, and, and big and, WNBA fan. And with the WNBA finals starting on Friday, I know it's appointment viewing, not flipping around viewing for our Dr. Siegel. Yes, appointment viewing. They'll, Rebecca will keep you waiting 30 minutes <laughs> right. after your appointment. I will take your temperature via your forehead before you're allowed exactly. to watch. Well, well, anyway, on that note. On that, on those notes. On, on all of those notes. Um, thank you to our producer. You're wielding a drumstick in the basement, by the way. I am. Thank you to our producer, Denny Gallagher. Tom, Dick, and Harry. Play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.